Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church Online. My name is Steve Polk, and uh, today our pastor is going to bring a great message to us from the book of Matthew, chapter 4. So go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word, notepad and a pen. We're going to be talking about following Jesus. Very simple, very straightforward message, and we're looking forward to what God has for us uh, in His Word today as our pastor comes. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word that we can best understand how to follow you by doing exactly that, by trusting you. Uh, and in Matthew chapter 4 and in other, other places following in the same book, we're going to be able to learn today how to follow you with our lives and to do the things that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Today and next Sunday, I want to talk about what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Because there are many people who say they are Christians, but does that necessarily mean they are following Jesus? There are so many stories in the Gospels that can help us understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. For instance, one day Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee and he saw two men, Peter and his brother Andrew, who were uh, fishermen by trade. And he saw them and he invited them to become followers. He said to them, come, follow me and I'll make you to be fishers of men. And that day they became followers of Jesus. On another occasion, Jesus was walking through the town of Capernaum and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth collecting taxes for the Romans. That was his job. And he invited Matthew to follow him. And Matthew got up that very day and started following Jesus Christ. The truth is Jesus invites everyone to be his follower. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So Jesus invited then, and he invites today you and me and every person to follow him. In fact, before Jesus went back to the Father, following his resurrection, he commissioned all of us who follow him to invite people to become followers of Jesus. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, usually referred to as the Great Commission, Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you. So we see in Jesus' life, he invited people to follow him. He invited, he extended an invitation to every human being to follow him. And he commanded, he commissioned those of us who follow him today to tell others about this and invite them to become followers of Jesus. So if Jesus is inviting people to follow him and he's commissioning us to invite others to become followers of his, it is very important, dare I say it, it is essential that you and I understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If we're going to follow him the right way, and if we're going to ask other people to follow him, we must know what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. Another way of asking this is, what is a disciple? What does it really mean to be a disciple, a follower, a student, 
a learner of Jesus Christ. Here at First Baptist Rock Hill, and there are other churches that do similar things, we define a disciple this way, and you'll see a graphic on your screen. There's a, it's a circle, and we say a disciple, a follower of Jesus. A disciple is someone who is following Jesus, someone who, as they follow him, are being changed and transformed by Jesus, and they are on mission with Jesus, accomplishing his purposes in this world. To better maybe illustrate in modern terms what it means to be a follower of Jesus, let me talk about sunflowers for a minute. I have a picture from a few years ago. You'll see it here on the screen of my daughter's children, her, her two kids, my, my grandkids. They were living in Hanahan, South Carolina at the time. And you see that big, beautiful sunflower in the background behind our grandkids. When Monisa and I were in Italy a few years ago, I can remember riding the train and seeing large fields of beautiful sunflowers. They are spectacular. Sunflowers, when they are young and small and still growing, start the day always facing east where the sun rises. Then as the sun moves across the sky, those young, small sunflowers turn slowly following the sun. And in the evening, as the sun sets in the west, those sunflowers are looking to the west. They finish the day facing the west. And then during the night, they gradually turn back to the east, ready for the sun to rise the next morning. And they repeat that over and over in that sunlight helps them to grow and be strong and become mature. In a similar way, when you and I commit our lives to Jesus Christ, traditionally we talk about being saved, being born again, repenting of our sins. When we commit our lives to Jesus Christ, it's like we're facing the east and we see Jesus and we're looking at Jesus. And as Jesus moves, we follow him. You see, being a follower of Jesus Christ is more than simply getting saved. It is more than simply receiving the gift of eternal life. It is more than simply being forgiven of our sins. It involves all of that, but it involves much, much more. Being a follower of Jesus Christ means we make a lifelong commitment to follow him. Just like those young sunflowers follow the sun, we make a commitment to be lifelong followers of Jesus to keep our eyes and our hearts and our lives fixed on him, following him every day of our life. It starts at the moment when we get saved, at the moment when we become a believer, a follower of Christ. But then we follow him the rest of our life. That's what a true Christian, a true disciple, a true believer is, a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we grow. As we do that, we get stronger. As we do that, we become more mature. As we do that, we begin looking more and more like Jesus. So in our definition, a disciple is someone who's following Jesus. And because they are following him, they are being transformed. They are being changed. They are growing to look more like Jesus. And we serve. We are on mission with Jesus. His purpose becomes our purpose for living. So that's what it means in, in, a, in just a kind of a, a high-level brief explanation of what it means to be 
a follower of Jesus. Now I want us to take a deeper look for the next few minutes. Because in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 10, I invite you to go ahead and open your Bible there, please. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus describes for us some of what it looks like to follow him. And I want to point out three things in particular that he describes in this chapter about those who are genuinely, truly, really following him and therefore truly, really saved, truly, really Christians. Because becoming a Christian is not something different than being a follower of Jesus. When you commit your life to Christ and say you become a Christian, you in that moment begin following Jesus and you are making a lifelong commitment to follow him if it's real. And Jesus said, here are some things that describes what it means, what it looks like to follow him, to know him, to be in a relationship with him. And so I want us to read together in Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 24. Jesus is teaching his disciples about discipleship, about following him. And he says in verse 24, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebub or the devil, how much more will they malign the members of his household? And then skip with me down to verse 32 because in the verses in between, Jesus basically says, don't be afraid of people who criticize you, oppose you, persecute you, talk badly about you, look down on you because you choose to be a disciple of Jesus, meaning you begin looking more and more like him. Look with me also um, in, uh, in uh, verses uh, 32 and 33. He said, therefore, who confesses me, everyone, therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my father who is in heaven. So Jesus says, you're going to publicly identify with him and not be ashamed of him. And then he, in the next few verses, he says, now, when you do that, you need to understand not everybody is going to support you. Not everybody is going to be happy or excited about you identifying with Jesus. And then he adds in verses 37 and following, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Now in those verses, in this chapter, there are some things, three things in particular, Jesus, Jesus describes as being true of his true followers. And the first thing is this. When we follow Jesus, when we are really following Jesus, we become more and more like Jesus. That's what he's talking about in verses 24 and 25 when he says, A disciple is not above his teacher. And it is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher. One of the evidences that a person is a true follower of Jesus is as they follow him, they grow and change and begin looking more, talking more, acting more, living more, thinking more like 
Jesus Christ. We become more like him. And in Jesus' era, there it was very common for Jewish rabbis to have disciples. And these disciples would spend several years with these rabbis. And the rabbis would teach them, and quite often they would teach them in a public setting so that the crowd could listen in. And then these disciples would have private conversations with the rabbi. There would be Q&A in which they would dive deeper, if you will. They would travel with the rabbi, listening to him, watching him, learning from him. And he would give them assignments from time to time to do this, to try that, as he was training them to be his disciples. And the goal, listen, the goal for these Jewish rabbis with their disciples was not simply that their disciples would learn stuff, learn information. The goal was that these disciples would become like their rabbi. Through this close living together, walking together relationship, the disciples were to become like the rabbi. Now that is the image Jesus had in mind when he called us to be his disciples, when he called us to be his followers, and everyone around in Jesus' day would have understood that. And I need you to understand that. We need to understand that, that Jesus in a similar fashion is saying we are to follow him and be so close in our relationship with him that he is rubbing off on us and we are becoming more and more like him. He is our model. Think about it in modern terms. The, we, we talk about coaching trees, whether it's professional football coaches, college football coaches, college basketball coaches. They talk about famous coaches and their, 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 their coaching tree, those who were associate or assistant coaches with them for a few years. And now they've become head coaches. All the fans of the Duke Blue Devils are hoping that John Shire learned a lot from Mike Krzyzewski while he was his associate coach. And now he's the head coach replacing the retiring Krzyzewski. That's, a, that's what we, we're talking about here, a coaching tree. Or today we might think about it, whether it's in the business world or in leadership in terms of a mentor. When I was a, a young pastor, two, two pastors who served as mentors for me were Bill Mackey and Joe Brown. And, and I'm kind of a blend of the two of them in some ways. I learned much from each of them. And Jesus is saying, if you're following me, if you're truly saved and a truly are a Christian, if you're following me, if you're my disciple, you're learning from me. You're, you're, you're taking on my habits. You're, you're taking on my truth. You're becoming more and more like me. And so when you and I, as followers of Jesus, read the Bible, when we read the Gospels and we see Jesus do things, we hear Jesus say things, those become foundational for how we live for how we think, how we make decisions, what we believe, for our values and our mores, if you will. So the first thing Jesus says about those who are really following him is we are becoming more and more like him. Now, number two, here's the second thing Jesus says is true of those who are following him. He says that we openly and publicly let it be known that we are following Jesus. We're not ashamed of that. 
We want the world to know. We want people to know. We are following Jesus. In this chapter, after after he said what he did about uh, becoming like him, he says, hey, there will be some people who will oppose you and hate you and persecute you and malign you. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be intimidated by them. And then in verses 32 and 33, he says, therefore, everyone, who confesses me before men, not ashamed of me, owns me, identifies with me, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me, whoever is ashamed of me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Can you imagine on the judgment day you're standing before God and Jesus the Son looks at you and then looks at the Father and says, Father, I don't know him. Father, he's not mine. Father, he doesn't belong to me. Father, he's not in my family. Jesus says that if you follow him, you publicly identify with him. You do not deny him. Think about the evening Jesus was arrested, as it's described to us in the Gospels. And he was on trial, and they were mocking Jesus, ridiculing Jesus, beating Jesus, spitting on Jesus getting ready the following morning to turn him over to the Romans so Jesus would be crucified. And Peter is standing close by. He can see everything. He can hear everything. And there are people who look at Peter that night and say, aren't you one of his followers? Your accent gives you away. Did I not see you the other day with him? And you remember that Peter became angry and he cussed and three times said, I don't know the man denied Jesus. And then he went out and he wept bitterly. Before we quickly condemn Peter, think about the pressure he must have felt. The fear that must have been running through his veins. I can't say that I've ever felt the same kind of pressure publicly Peter felt that evening to verbally and actively deny Jesus. No, I don't know him. No, I'm not a follower of him. But I can say, and I imagine you can as well, there have been those occasions when I have felt the pressure to passively deny Jesus. Those those situations, those situ, those 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 moments when I'm just going to keep quiet and not say anything. I'm not going to deny Jesus, but I'm not going to speak up and use his name. I'm not going to brand myself as his follower either. I'm just going to be pass. I'm going, I'm going to passively deny Jesus by not speaking up. I'm just going to keep quiet and not say anything. What about those times when there's the pressure to conform and, and we conform to that pressure and we went along with people to get along even though it wasn't what we wanted to do and we knew it wasn't the right thing to do. But we passively denied Jesus by going along to get along, by conforming to the pressure. And what about those times when there's the, the pressure to compromise our values, compromise our morals, compromise our believers and we passively denied Jesus. We don't ever use his name. We don't ever, we, we never say, I hate Jesus. I don't love Jesus. I'm not a follower of Jesus. But we passively deny him by compromising our convictions, compromising our morality, compromising our values. And what about those times we passively deny Jesus by elevating our personal emotions, personal feelings, and personal opinions above what Jesus actually says. I know the Bible says, but I think. 
Oh, we don't shake our fist in Jesus' face and say, I don't believe what you said, Jesus. I deny it. But we passively deny him by thinking that what we feel and what we think and what we want takes precedence over what Jesus actually says. There was a young man who grew up in a Muslim family and he had been studying Christianity and the Holy Spirit convicted him and drew him toward Jesus. And one day he committed his life to Jesus, became a follower of Jesus. He didn't tell anybody in his family yet. And his father saw him wearing a cross and asked him about it. And the young man, this new believer, said, oh, father, I'm still a Muslim. This cross is just jewelry. He said when that happened, he felt so ashamed. He went into his bedroom and took a shower and in the shower he fell on his knees and he just cried with a broken heart and he repented and he asked Jesus to forgive him for being ashamed, for being intimidated, for denying him. Truly following Jesus means that we stand up for Jesus, we identify with him publicly and then in those moments like Peter, and like this young Muslim man who became a follower of Jesus, when we, when we fail, when we sin, when we deny Jesus, if we are truly his followers, it bothers us deeply. It breaks our heart and we weep over it and we repent and we ask God's forgiveness, his cleansing and his healing and for his strength that next time we will speak his name. Next time we will not back down. Next time we will not be intimidated. Followers of Jesus Christ claim their relationship with Jesus publicly and openly in the various situations of life. And they keep becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, there's a third thing. A third way Jesus described his followers, and he said, those who follow him submit. We submit everything we are and everything we have to him, to Jesus, and to his lordship. After saying that we confess Jesus and don't deny him, he goes on in the verses 34 and following to say, listen, not everybody's going to be happy that you confess me. Not everybody's going to support you. You'll even have relatives and friends who will not support you. But in verse 37, Jesus said, the one who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And the one who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, if you put your family before Jesus it calls into question whether or not you are following him. doesn't mean you don't love your family, but you love him more. And if your family's opposition to your faith causes you to back up and not follow Jesus, back up and not be obedient to Jesus, that's a problem. Jesus said we don't even allow our earthly bonds, our, our human earthly relationships to stand in the way of our following him. And then he says in verse 38, the one who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. The cross is a place of death. It's a place of denial, a place of sacrifice. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, it means at times you may have to give up some things. You may have to give up some people. You may have to suffer the rejection of others. 
You may have to accept and endure that some people won't agree with you, won't favor you, won't like you, won't help you. Jesus says, if you follow me, you follow me anyway. In Luke's gospel, he drives the point home a little bit more because it's not just that that, uh, that we follow him and, and we place our relationship with him even above earthly bonds and relationships. It means we also submit our earthly possessions to him. In Luke 14, speaking on this same subject, he said, so then none of you, listen, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possession. So the things that tend to keep people from following Jesus are human relationships and earthly possessions. People and things. People and stuff. And Jesus says, following me means that you submit all of those. The most important things in your life, you, sub- you submit them to me. Your relationship with me. Your lordship with me. Physical things and relational things. The disciples had been with Jesus for quite some time. They'd heard him teach. They'd seen what he had done. And they were starting to get it. It was starting to click. And then Peter, speaking for the entire group, asked Jesus a question in Matthew 19, if you want to turn in your Bible there, please. In verse 27, here's the conversation. Peter said to him, said to Jesus, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus begins by answering specifically what's going to happen to the 12 disciples or the 11 following Judas' uh, failure, and then to all of us. And verse 28, Jesus said to them, to his, to his immediate 12 disciples, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, talking about the second coming and, and, and the days after when Jesus rules on the throne, he says, you, you, you my immediate disciples, also shall sit upon 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. There's going to be something special for his original disciples in heaven. But then he speaks to you and me in verse 29. And everyone, not just the original disciples, but all of us, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake, you, you've had to sacrifice some things. You, you've had to sacrifice living somewhere. You've had to sacrifice staying close to your immediate family, physically speaking, that is, in order to follow Jesus. You've had to, you've had to uh, put up with relatives who didn't support you or maybe parents who disinherited you, whatever it might be. He says you will receive many times as much. God will give you family, brothers and sisters in Christ, and you will inherit eternal life. Jesus said, whatever you have to sacrifice to follow him, he will more than make up for. This week, I was speaking in our office one day with uh, Grant Richardson, who is our pastor for preteen students and middle school students. And he attended North Greenville University before going on uh, to seminary and had his degree in religion there. And uh, we were talking, and he was sharing about how how uh, some of the students there who were surrendered to ministry and had felt called of God to full-time Christian ministry and was studying there, fell in love with the Greenville area. 
And they were, they, they were willing to serve in a church, but they were so in love with that area, they, they didn't want to move. They refused to move. And, and the only churches they would even consider serving in were those located in that area. They were called, but they weren't willing to go wherever God might lead. They were, some of them had great potential, but they were settling because they loved a place more than they loved the will of God. I remember going back to the 80s when I was in seminary in Louisville. And the conversation often was students who had already finished college, now they're in seminary saying, we're called of God to ministry. Kept saying, I remember so many of them saying, now when I graduate, I'm going back to Mississippi. When I graduate, I'm going back to Georgia. When I graduate, I'm going back to South Carolina, to Alabama, to Florida, to Texas, to Tennessee, to Ohio, wherever it was. As though when God called them to follow him, Jesus called them to preach the gospel, to be in ministry. They said, yes, in this place and only here. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Following him means I take my hands off my life, off my family, and off my stuff. Doesn't mean those aren't valuable, they're not important. Doesn't mean I don't care about those and protect them and be wise and loving. But it means Jesus' call in my life must take precedence over all things, not just some things, but all things. That's, that's at the heart of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Now, I want to say a word to some of you who are young adults. Some of you teenagers, God is calling you to surrender your life to him and follow wherever he leads. Calling you to ministry, to preach the gospel, to be a missionary, to plant a church, to do ministry. And I urge you right where you are to get on your face before God and say, Lord, I hear you and I surrender to you. I will obey your call. I'm taking my hands off my plans because I want my plans, Lord, to be your plans. We have teenagers in our church that I admire so much because they come to church even when their parents don't. They are 10 times, some of them are 10 times more faithful to Jesus than their parents are. And I am so proud of them. While I wish their parents were get, would get their act together, I love and admire those students who are not letting the complacency and the indifference and the half-heartedness of their mom and dad stand in the way of them being faithful to follow Jesus Christ. Here's the question. Are you following Jesus? See, that's a whole lot different than 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I prayed a prayer for Jesus to save me, and I haven't done much with it since. Are you following Jesus Christ? Are you constantly growing and learning and becoming more like him? It's a process. That's why in our definition of what it means to be a disciple, it's a circle. 
because they're all happening simultaneously and continuously. I'm following Jesus, growing and being changed by Jesus and on mission with Jesus at the same time. And it's a continuing thing until the day I see Jesus face to face. And the more time passes and the more I follow him, the more I will look like him and the more I will serve him. Are you growing and becoming more like Jesus? And are you faithfully serving Jesus? I'm asking you right now, are you truly following Jesus Christ? Are you? If not, what are you going to do about it? Will you make a commitment right now to become a full-hearted follower of Jesus? Get on your knees, bow your head, and commit your life to fully, completely follow Jesus. Do it right now. You'll be so glad you did. God bless you, and I'll see you next Sunday.